Hey, thanks for joining us on the Scattered Saints podcast. My name's Seb. I'm one of the pastors here. Thank you so much for joining us. We have this podcast come out every single week for your enjoyment, whether you're on the treadmill right now, whether you're on the bike, whether you're walking. I don't know why it always involves uh, walking or, or running, but whether you're in your car, no matter where you are, if you're at work, thank you for joining us. I believe that God has an amazing word for you today, and we are so thankful Pastor Brett has another amazing sermon for us this morning. Uh, we're talking about worship. We're talking about expressions of worship. And this is so important for us to get deep down inside of us. So why don't you turn up those headphones and let's jump into this amazing sermon. Now, I want us to think about Romans chapter 15. Uh, we've, we've looked at this. We've referenced it over the last number of weeks. Romans 15 in the fourth verse, I'm going to read out a New King James Version, reads like this. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. The Apostle Paul is referring to the Old Testament or the Old Covenant, these scriptures. Now to him, uh, who would who would have been a rabbi of the day, who, who would have had uh, lots of rabbinical training, he, he would have been uh, really educated in the Talmud, the Torah, He's speaking of of the Old Testament scriptures. What we learn and glean from this moment in Romans 15 from the Apostle Paul is that these scriptures in the Old Testament are for our learning. We can pull from them. We also discover patience and comfort through these scriptures. Now, if you're anything like me, you hear the word patience and you're like, that's not a word that I'm interested in getting well acquainted with. But what we learn is that there's a process to our purpose. And as we dig in, we're going to dig in in the book of Joshua. Now, Joshua is a significant book. These portions of Scripture, we were there online last week. You're going to want to watch that message. We're here again this week. The book of Joshua is the people of Israel entering the promised land and and taking possession of the promised land. Now, what's really interesting about the book of Joshua is that as it's arranged or ordered, it's actually placed into a group of the prophets, even though it's a historical book, which means that there is significance for us in the spiritual journey of the Israelites in this season, that there are lessons that we can take, that we can learn and we can apply to our lives, that it's not only historical in context, but it's important for us to understand that it's spiritual in nature. So here we are, Joshua chapter 5 and 6. This is Joshua chapter 5. We're going to look at verse 13. When Joshua was near the town of Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a sword in hand. Joshua went up to him and demanded, Are you friend or foe? Neither one, he replied. I am the commander of the Lord's army. At this, Joshua fell with his face to the ground in reverence. I am at your command, Joshua said. What do you want your servant to do? The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did as he was told. Come on, can we pray together? Jesus, I'm so thankful that you're here with us right now. You're here in our midst. You're gathered uh, with us in our homes or on the bus or at work, wherever we are experiencing this worship experience today. Thank you, Jesus, that your, your word is active and alive. You're leading us and you're guiding us. We thank you, Father, in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. 
meant. So we're Joshua 5. Joshua has this moment. Now, this moment is actually a throwback to Exodus chapter 3. When Moses encounters a burning bush, he has a face-to-face encounter with God. Moses meets God, and he says, this is holy ground. And so that moment here, when the commander of the Lord's army, when we're trying to figure out who this is, is this simply an angel, or is this God in bodily form, which is called a theophany? Who is this person? We, we get a hint when it says, take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. This is Joshua's face-to-face encounter with the presence of God, with God himself. I would take it one step further and call this a Christophany. This is a moment where the Lord, who we understand to be Jesus, shows up. Jesus is Lord. Jesus shows up and he's speaking to Joshua. And he says, these are your specific instructions. And I think the most significant verse that we can pull away from this happens in verse 15, the very last line, and Joshua did as he was told. Now, what I love about this moment is that Joshua was scouting out the land. Now, you may or may not know this, but way earlier on in his career, Joshua was one of two spies that was sent to scout out the land. He was sent on a mission by Moses to say, what does this promised land look like? And there's lots of opposition and and, and lots of stuff. He was one of only two who came back with a good report. There's something in his spirit that is faith-filled. So Joshua now, as the leader of the people of Israel, he's going out. He said, listen, we're going to take this land, but he's going to go out to do a little bit reconnaissance on his own. He's going to go out and he's going to learn. He's going to see. Isn't it interesting that as Joshua was preparing to possess the promised land that he went out to prepare. As we are about to take a significant step forward as a church in a new season, you know, the changing of the calendar, September, fall brings a new season. Things are starting to reopen. Kids are back to school. Maybe you're going back to the office. Maybe you're still working remotely. Maybe you just, you're unsure about what's next. You're about to move into the next season. As you're observing, as you're looking, as you're learning, as you're trying to figure out what this thing looks like, there's something amazing about the fact that Joshua encountered the presence of God in his preparation. No matter what move you're about to make, I want to encourage you to encounter the presence of God in preparation. The other thing that stands out to me in this encounter is that when we think about Exodus 3, when Moses has his burning bush experience, that Moses starts stuttering, stammering, and negotiating with God. No, no, no. Are you sure that I'm right? Are you sure that it's me? I don't think I can do this. And God really has to like talk him into it and talk it through. Now, I I think... uh, there'd be a natural tendency in us to go, okay, well, Joshua is clearly so much better than Moses. Uh, You know, Joshua didn't negotiate. When he encountered the presence of God, he's just like, you know what? I'm I'm following you. I'm going to bow down. I'm going to follow you. Whatever instructions you have for me. And And we see how that works in Joshua 6. But let's not forget that Joshua learned by serving Moses. And that when Moses was done meeting the presence of God in the tent of meeting, that when Moses left, Joshua would linger. You learn something when you linger in the presence of God. Joshua learned what it was like to be in his presence. So when he encounters him in a new way, he's like, ah, oh, I know what this is. I don't have to doubt 
Moses was the trailblazer. We can build on the foundations of the pioneers and of our fathers, of their learning, of where they've gone, of what they've done. And I just want to take a moment to, to honor those of you who have gone before, who have blazed new trails, who have boldly followed Jesus one step at a time into all kinds of seasons. We see you and we honor you, and we are here today because of the sacrifice that you have, that you, that you have made, that you've laid your lives down to serve Jesus. But here's the thing that sticks out. Joshua didn't negotiate that last line. Joshua did as he was told. It reminds me of 1 Samuel 15, verse 22, where it says, Obedience is better than sacrifice. I think there's this thing inside of us. It's maybe a result of the human condition that causes us to try and prove our worth, to show our worth. Say, look, I'm, I'm worth something. But in the eyes of God, obedience is better than sacrifice. When he speaks, let's be people who are quick to listen. We're quick to respond. We're quick to move. We don't negotiate. We just take that next step forward. Now, this is Joshua 6. We're at verse 1. Now, the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go out or in. Now, that's Joshua 6, verse 1. It reminds me of Joshua 5, verse 1. We're going to roll it back. When the, all the Amorite kings west of the Jordan and all the Canaanite kings who lived along the Mediterranean coast heard how the Lord had dried up the Jordan so the people of Israel could cross, they lost heart and were paralyzed with fear because of them. Previously on Church Online... You might remember when we talked about the Israelites walking and taking possession of the promised land where they entered the same way that their predecessors entered the desert. God split the water and they walked across dry land. And what we learned last week was that that water backed up and spilled into the valley, that there's always collateral damage from the presence of God in the best possible way. I think you could also say that sometimes other people see and believe that God is working in your life more than you do. There's something about somebody looking from a different angle, seeing it in a different way, that believes that God is working. Sometimes we're so caught up in the middle of it. We're so caught up in our situation. We're so caught up in our struggle that we're just like, okay, yeah, no, God, thank you. You, you made a way that, that we don't understand that those who are in our periphery, who are around, are captivated by the presence of God at work in our lives. I just want to encourage you for a moment. God is working. And if, and if you can even recognize the smallest move, understand that none of those moments are wasted, and that Jesus is using those moments and those miracles to reach people in ways that you never thought possible. Your small victory could be the beginning of somebody else possessing their promised land because they see it and they can understand it and they go, wow, if God can do that for them, I wonder if he can do it for me. Now, God gave very specific instructions to Joshua. And as we know, Joshua did as he was told. He said, here's what you're going to do. You're going to march around that city, that city called 
Jericho. Now, the moment I say Jericho, if you've grown up in church, you kind of checked out. You're like, I know the story. I know all about it. See, that's that's in some part the shame of, of hearing these stories as a child is that we think that they're childlike stories. Now, let's remember that Jesus scolded the disciples for, for shooing away the kids. He says, no, no, those with childlike faith will inherit the kingdom of God. Let the little children come near. And so maybe we need to recapture some of our childlike wonder as we examine the scripture, maybe through new eyes to say, Jesus, what do you have for me in this story that I thought I knew so well? Jericho was the first city that the Israelites were about to possess. I think we need to make a distinction when, when we understand cities. When we think of cities, we think of cities that are well populated with families and kids and livestock and a market. And, and you know, we, we have our, what, is a, what does a city look like in this era or this time? But maybe the best way we could describe Jericho is a military fortification. It was a military outpost. It was walled. It was about eight and a half acres, so it actually wasn't huge. That was the, the amount of land that it that overtook. Like, it's big, but it's not that big. And it was really a military outpost, and it signified the beginning of a possession of a land. So it's not a city in the way that we think of it with, with lots of innocence. It was is largely uh, lived, and the people that lived and worked there were military. But word got out because God was moving and the people that were inside the fortress were terrified. They locked it up tight. Nobody was allowed in. Nobody was allowed out. They shut up the gates tight because there was rumors that God was doing something in the region. So God said, I want you to walk around each day, one time a day. I want you to walk around. You're going to take the Ark of the Covenant, the Spirit of God, and you're going to walk around. Your warriors and the priests, warriors or priests, are going to walk around. You could say in another way, the warriors and the worshipers are going to walk around this fortified city. But you're going to be silent. You're going to be silent. You're going to be silent. So this is what Joshua said to the people in Joshua 6, verse 10. Do not shout. Do not even talk, Joshua commanded. Not a single word from any of you until I tell you to shout. Then shout. So the ark of the Lord was carried around the town once that day, and everyone returned to spend the night in the camp. Every single time they walked around, once a day for six days, they walked in silence. Hmm. Have you ever wondered why God commanded them to walk around in silence? Now, uh, I thought we'd get personal for a moment. I don't know. Do we have any board game people watching? If you love board games, why don't you type your favorite board game in chat? I, I'm not. I'm not really a board game person. I don't play board games with people, um, and I don't play board games with people because I'm a highly competitive individual. And when I play board games with people, I can't help but heckle. Like I'm a straight trash talker. If we're playing, and and, and that's not good for your soul. It's not good for my soul. I just I got you know. I just kind of get right at it. Like. I, you know, I've joked about this before. I'm like a really passionate person. And so you think that I'm just like this uh, at church. This is just my default setting. And so just imagine loud noises and me heckling you about Monopoly. It's just not good for anybody. But can I tell you, my friends, there's a significance in the silence. I believe that there's three primary voices that were silence 
in the camp of the Israelites as they were walking around that wall. Why did they walk in silence? Well, the first voice that was silenced was the voice of the heckler, the trash talker, people like me. You know, I don't know if you've ever watched church league hockey. You know, that's the one time those, those Christians let it all out. But when you're a trash talker and you're walking around and you believe that God's about to do something and you start trash talking with the people up on the wall who are standing up there, the archers, the the people that are guarding that fortified base. And you're like, we're going to take you out. I'm going to come. You know, whatever the, the, I don't even know the violence that would have been like wished upon those people as they were trash talking back and forth. But that voice was silenced. Why was that voice silenced? Because God was silencing pride. Because it wasn't about what those people could do. It was a miracle that God was about to provide. So he was silencing pride. You know, the other voice that was silenced was the voice of a negotiator that said, hey, you know, peace is always an option. We can, we can work this out. You can, we, can, we can find a way. We can find a way. There's always that person in the crowd who's like the mediator that's trying to make peace. And so maybe that, that was going to be going back, back and forth. And God's like, no, no, I'm about to give you something. But what was that silencing? He silenced the voice of insecurity that said, I'm not enough, that, that I, I can't do this. I can't accomplish it. You're right. You can't, but God can. Jesus can. And he silences the voice of insecurity that says, I have to make this thing happen he says no 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 no. I got it the last voice that he silenced is that nervous guy that's walking around the wall and he's looking up he's like man bro these walls are really big those guys are really tall those spears are really pointy I don't know if we can do this it's this this dissenting voice but ultimately it's silencing the spirit of fear there's a significance in the silence and you might feel like you're, you're walking around or you're wandering around or you're, you're skirting around the outside of an issue or a situation. You might feel like it's a weird season and you feel like you're lost a little bit and you're wandering. I just wonder if this season where you feel like it's a, a season of silence, I just wonder if Jesus is trying to silence one of these spirits in your own heart and life. Maybe the reason... He's asking you to be quiet in this situation so that you're not proudful about how you handle it. You know what they say, pride comes before a fall. It's the Bible. It's not they, it's God. Maybe you try and negotiate your way out of it. Your insecurity overwhelms. I can't, I'm not, I'm not good enough for God to do this. I'm not good enough to move forward in this way. Listen, Jesus has an incredible plan and a purpose for you. Don't let your insecurity stop you from taking a step forward. We could think about Zechariah, Zechariah 4, verse 6. Wow, Zechariah apparently is hard to say today. Zechariah 4, verse 6 is not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. This is Joshua 6. We'll look at uh, verse 15. On the seventh day, the Israelites got up at dawn and marched around the town as they had done before. But this time they went around seven times. In Scripture, you know, little asterisks. Uh, seven is the number of wholeness and completeness. They marched around seven times. The seventh time around, the priests sounded the long blast on their horns. They had these ram's horns, not the fancy trumpets, like old school going to war ram's horns. And Joshua commanded the people, shout, for the Lord has given you the town. Jericho and everything in it must be completely destroyed as an offering to the Lord. He said, shout. 
And this is verse 20. When the people heard the sound of the ram's horn, they shouted as loud as they could. And suddenly the walls of Jericho collapsed and the Israelites charged straight into the town and they captured it. I guess in one way you could say praise proceeds a breakthrough. Now, as we think about these walls coming down, there's actually a number of archaeological digs in 1932, 1936, and again later in the 50s that, that found Jericho and, and, and actually confirmed that this occurred, that these, these walls came down. Now, you could think when we were trying to figure out, like, I think this is human nature. How did they come down? Well, maybe it's just the rightly timed earthquake. You know, there's another theory. Maybe it was the resonant frequency of their voices that caused something to shift in the land or in the ground that caused it to come down. Is it too much for us to believe that God just did this? That he made a promise and he said, I always keep my promises. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this and I'm going to give this to you. Did you notice that they didn't have to do anything but shout? What's interesting about the significance of a shout is that it's one of the expressions of worship. I really believe in this season, the church has felt like we've been silenced because we can't sing or we can't worship in the way, my friends. Singing is only one of the expressions of, of, of worship. And we're going to explore how to worship and what those expressions are and what scripture says about the way that we can worship. But there's something significant about a shout. This is uh, Psalm 149. Psalm 149, verse 5 and 6. It says, Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud on their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. Two-edged sword alludes to, to the scripture. It also alludes to Jesus. Let the high praises be on their mouth. Alludes to a shout. There's something significant about the shout that comes after a season of silence. A shout that shifts things and changes things and causes walls to crumble. Not because we did anything, but because we were obedient to the call of God on our lives in this season. Praise precedes a breakthrough. We begin to thank God, thank Jesus for what he's doing. Maybe you feel like you're in this season of wandering. Maybe you feel like you're in a season of just like walking around and around. Maybe you feel like you're so close. I don't know. Maybe you feel like pre-COVID, you were right on the edge. Like everything was going so well. You had so much momentum and it felt like everything just fell. Maybe... <laughs> Normal wasn't good for you. You know, normal wasn't good for everyone. And so maybe you, you, you feel like you're lost, but in the midst of this season where you feel like you've lost your voice, I wonder if it's possible that you haven't lost your voice. Maybe you're just in the process of finding it. You know, we pray these prayers like, Lord, I want to be like clay in your hands. Use me however you see fit. Do whatever you want to do. But when he does the things that we aren't sure about, sometimes we start to get nervous and sometimes we feel like we're being silenced. He's not silencing 
you to shut you up. He's silencing you to realign your heart, to realign your mind, to realign everything within you to be positioned for his purpose so that when he says at the right time, at the right moment, it's time for you to shout that the walls can come down and you can take a step forward. Maybe you're not losing your voice. Maybe you're finding your voice. For those of you who feel like you're in a holding pattern, that you're right where you should be, but you keep walking around. Maybe you would identify with one of those warriors that was in the camp that would say, hey, listen, we walk around in silence once a day. What good is this? We should be fighting. We're warriors. That's what we're here for. We're not walkers. We're warriors. Maybe you feel like you're like, I'm at the right place at the right time. God, I'm asking you to do everything. You know, I'm doing everything you've asked me to do. What can I do in this season? I'm just in a holding pattern. I'm right where I should be. My friend, can I tell you what, what Jesus would, I believe, want you to know today? Is just keep walking. Just keep walking. There's a reason you are where you are doing what you're doing. If you're at the right place at the right time, wait for his voice to call you forward. Have a spirit of Joshua. Joshua did as he was told. Trust Jesus. Your walking is a symbolic gesture. You're, Lord, I'm just going to keep holding this holding pattern until you tell me to move otherwise. It's a demonstration of your trust in him. Now, maybe you feel like you're in a holding pattern, but you feel like, you're in a holding pattern because this is just what you decided. Like you, you didn't like thing, the way things were. You didn't like what your situation was like. I just need to change things. Maybe you changed your relationship status. Maybe you changed jobs. Maybe your job changed on you. Whatever it is, but it's your plan. You said, you know what? I'm just in a holding pattern and I'm stuck. What do I do when I'm stuck and I'm in a holding pattern and I put myself here? My friend, you do what Joshua did. You fall before Jesus. You fall before Jesus. You fall before Jesus and you surrender. You say, whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to go, I give you my whole heart. I guess we could ask this question of ourselves. Are you fighting God or is he fighting for you? Are you fighting God? Or is he fighting for you? To say it another way, are you surrounded? Or are you surrendered? Come on, there's a significance in the silence of this season. And I hope that we can learn to find our voice again. That as we begin to find our voice, that we would have the courage to shout at the right time, at the right moment, to lift up the high praises of God, to declare His goodness. Now, maybe you're somebody who's uh, far from God, that you've got lots of questions, more questions than answers. You're like, wow, there's, there's a lot of stuff here. I, I don't even know where I should start. We start at understanding that God has an incredible plan and a purpose for your life, that he wants to be the anchor for your soul that pulls you up and out, not holds you back, not pulls you down. That while you may be looking for strength and stability, you'll find that. You'll find that foundation in Jesus. You can build 
your life on him and the significance of, of, of this encounter for, for your life in this season is that you might be wandering, but my friend, you might be looking, but my friend, you are not lost. That Jesus has found you and in fact, Jesus has never left you. He's been with you. You might have been turning this way or that way and you've been turning away from him or going your own way, but he's been waiting for you to come home. He's been waiting for you to say, I just need you to help me take the next step forward. Maybe you're scouting out the land. You're looking for the next opportunity. You're looking for the next thing. Maybe you're just trying to discover whatever God might have for you next, my friend. In that searching out, may you encounter the presence of Jesus. And I don't think it's a mistake that you're here right now today, that he's speaking to you very clearly. This next season was about you looking for answers, and you just found one. His name is Jesus. Hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. Now, maybe you are someone who's been walking with Jesus for a long time, and you're like, I, I, I feel stuck. I, I don't know what to do. I feel like I've lost my voice. I feel like I'm out of the will of God. Or maybe you feel like, man, we just needed to be back at church. We just need to be able to worship. We just need to be able to sing. My friend, worship is, singing is not the totality of worship. Over the next number of weeks, we're going to discover what the scriptures have to say about worship. And it's not only found in song, but I think specifically in this season, the season of silence, Jesus is trying to reform, to draw you in, reform your heart, reform your relationship. And I think he's actually trying to silence one of those three voices. Maybe you could ask yourself, what voice do I struggle with the most? Am I a heckler? Is Jesus trying to silence the spirit of pride in my life as he's about to bring a breakthrough that my pride will derail me from the breakthrough that Jesus has for me. Maybe you're the voice of the negotiator. That's your personality. Let's always, let's make a deal. Let's figure it out. Let's find a mutually beneficial path. Did you know that you pursuing your destiny is not mutually beneficial? Scripture describes God as a jealous God, which means he wants all of you. He wants all of your heart. He's not going to give it away to someone else. If you're going to fulfill the potential that you have, he wants to silence your insecurity and say, hey, I am more than enough for you. And maybe you're nervous. You're afraid. God doesn't want you to have a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. A sound mind, a sound mind. Maybe their silence is necessary to help you discover a sound mind in the midst of uncertain times. Hey, if you're watching today and you want to make that decision to follow Jesus, here's what you're going to do. In the chat, if this is the first time you say, you know what, I'm sick of going my own way. I'm wandering. I want to find my place. I want to find my voice. I want to find my future. Jesus has a plan for you. He's got a purpose for you. And if that's you, just in the chat, if you're on Facebook, you're on church, just, just type in Jesus and as a signal that you want to take that next step. There's also a button that's popping up that says, I want, to, I want to follow Jesus. You just click that button. It says, I want to make a decision to follow Jesus. There's a plan and a purpose for you. God's got something for you. If only you would invite him in. If that's you today and if you're typing that in or you're clicking that in or you're just crying away and you can't do any of those things, you can actually text the word Jesus to 587-400-2010. And you can take your next step forward in following Jesus. Here's what we're going to do. If you signaled in any way 
that you want to follow Jesus, we're going to pray together. I just want you to repeat this prayer after me. Say, Dear Jesus, I need you now more than ever. So I give you everything. My wins and my losses, my sins and my successes. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. From this moment forward, I'm all yours. I give you my whole heart. I'm following you one step at a time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining us today. My name is Seb, and I'm one of the pastors here. If you'd like to learn more about Jesus, head over to scatteredsaints.ca forward slash Jesus, and we have more information about who he is, why he came to earth, why he died on the cross, and what he means for you. You know, he wants to change every single part of your life and he wants to bring restoration and hope and a future to you. So head over to scatteredsaints.ca forward slash Jesus. And as always, we would love to see you in person. Head over to scatteredsaints.ca to register for in-person church. We have services every single Sunday. So if you'd like to join us, go grab your tickets at scatteredsaints.ca. But if not, we're here every single week on the Scattered Saints podcast. We'll see you next time.